Okay, good evening everyone. Subject tonight, Shia, is Koirach, understanding oneself. So, what exactly is this? So, this week's parasha discusses something in the Torah different to all the other times where the Jewish people stumbled. And that is that in the other times when the Jews stumbled, they stumbled because they gave in to a desire or because they got scared, or because they were tired of something and they complained. However, this time round, it was different. It was a rebellion. Now, the rebellion ended disastrously. The rebellion ended with Koirach and his family, except for his three sons, all dying and being swallowed up in a pit. 250 followers being burnt to death by a fire from Hashem. Koirach, because he instigated it, got a fire and he got swallowed up into a pit. And our rabbis tell us that Koirach, his wife, Dos and Aviram, the followers, get no portion in the next world. Which means that this was only the beginning of their sorrows. Furthermore, rabbis tell us that over here, different to all other cases, was that even the children died. Dawson and Aviram, who were leaders with Korach, their babies were killed. Children, whereas in other cases not. By the golden calf, the children didn't die. By the spies, the children didn't die. But over here, by the rebellion of Korach, the children died. Now, Important to know that when the Torah describes a rebellion like this, we're not talking about just average wicked people. People are looking for problems, people that are wicked from head to toe. We're talking about very great people. So to give you a little bit of background in terms of the followers and the leaders. Koirach, you should know, first of all, was first cousins with Moshe Rabbeinu. Kairach was someone who was so great, he was chosen to carry the Oroin, a special box that had in it the tablets that were given from God. Furthermore, Kairach was someone who was so great, he had Ruach HaKodesh, he had divine spirit that he could see into the future. Furthermore, Kairach's Torah was so great, there's a debate how great he was, whether he was the third or fourth biggest person. In the entire Jewish people. In fact, some say he was even second. Only, only greater than him was Moshe Rabbeinu. We're not talking about someone simple over here at all. Furthermore, we have Dawson and Aviram, who yes, are labeled as the troublemakers. But you know what they had with qualities? Can you imagine being a taskmaster for Jews and being told, if you don't reach a certain quota, you're going to get beaten. And they got beaten rather than beat their brothers. Now once off, that's a tremendous thing. Imagine every day, every week, every month. This was the greatness of personal commitment to the Jewish people that the leaders Dawson of Viram had. Furthermore, another leader was Elitzur ben Shadayur. He was the greatest person of the whole tribe of Reuven. And he was appointed the leader and he also joined in in this, in this dispute. So clearly the Torah is not telling us this was a bunch of rabble rousers. 
these were just the the like the the dregs of the people. We're not talking about that. We're talking about people with unbelievable qualities, and yet they fell so badly. So obviously, the Torah, which is a mirror, is here to mirror us and understand from us what we can learn and how we can battle the challenges in ourselves that we see from the parish. So let's look at it. Number one, Kairach. Kairach, our rabbis tell us, was jealous. Why was he jealous? He was jealous because what happened was, is that each of the families of Levi, and there were three main families, had a leader. The <coughs> Excuse me. Gershon, Kahas, and Merari. Three separate families who were in charge <coughs> of the family of Levi, and each one had its own prince. Now, Kahas was the family that Kairach and Moshe came from. Kairach assumed that over Kahas he would be chosen, but instead a cousin was chosen. And he was very upset. He said, you know, Moshe took the kingship for himself. He gave the priesthood to Aaron. And the next leadership role should have gone to me. And he wasn't appointed that. And he got jealous and he was upset. Now, take a minute over here to st- take a step back and think. When in life do we get jealous that that person was chosen? When in life do we get upset This person was chosen over me. It makes you really upset. Makes you angry. You feel resentful. Tell you something interesting. Rabbi Giron Pogren spoke in our shul and he mentioned something fascinating. He said there's something called air rage. What's air rage? It's when a person flies a plane. And when he is flying, there are incidences of aggressiveness. Anger, etc. And there's something called air rage, where people get particularly aggressive on an airplane. Now, they did the following tests, and they found out the following. When they had people who were in economy class walk past the first class, there was a certain percentage of air rage. When they had planes where you didn't walk past first class, but you came in the back economy, it was significantly less. And why is that? Because when I'm walking by and I see him in first class, I'm jealous. Why do I have to sit like a couple? Why can't I sit like him? Why can't I have his ticket? And this is something that we all battle with, is jealousy. We're jealous when we see this person drive that car. However, Reb Chaim Vital tells us something quite amazing. And this is something for us to know. He says, a person who's jealous of what someone else has, in a sense, he's rebelling against Hashem. Why is he rebelling? What did I do? The answer is because HaKadosh Baruch was the one who designated and gave exactly what we Need. When you see him with something that you want, you're lacking in your emunina, Kodesh Baruch Hu. And I talk to myself over here, because it's a natural bent. It's a natural inclination we have. But we've got to think a minute. 
Why am I jealous? I'm jealous because I believe I should have what that person has. And why is he having it and I don't have it? It's not fair. But Reboi Shalalem, you gave me what I need and you didn't give me that. That's exactly. When you believe this and this is in your bones, you won't erupt like a Kairach. Now, I'll tell you a story. I don't know if I told this story before. But um, something that really, a uh, personal example. In school, one of my, fa- my pet favorites that I teach my students is the Wonders of Hashem, which is I've got a whole collection of videos, clips, all different stuff that I take and I show my students. And I want them to see, wow, look at how wondrous Hashem's creation is. And I show them different animals and plants and different ideas on the on. on how our body works and all this, to appreciate the gift that Hashem has given us. And one time, the principal of the school told us that I'm going to do the following for you guys, for all the teachers in the school. Any teacher, you've got a certain amount of time to present a project with the students and the one who's the most successful in endearing into the children's hearts the love of HaKadosh Baruch Hu will get an all-expenses-paid trip to America. And you will attend the Torah Masora Convention, which is an international convention of religious teachers from all over the world. And you'll be able to go and actually sit in on different classrooms in New York. I mean, it, it's, it's a wondrous, wondrous opportunity, this. Unbelievable. And I want to tell you, when I heard about this, I thought... This is my man. <laughs> this is my man. This is what I spend my time doing. And I pumped the kids. And I pumped them and I pumped them. And at the end, I wanted to bring some empirical proof. And I sent out a questionnaire to the boys on various questions on how they view Hashem after the project. And it came back that empirically I could prove that percentage-wise, they had a more positive image of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. So when the day came for the vote, I'd already decided I was going to be off to America. Oh, I was excited. A trip, all paid. And guess what? I lost. One thing was good was I lost to someone who's a good friend of mine. So that made it be easier. <laughs> but I lost. And I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Surely mine was the best project. It wasn't. And I was disappointed. And it took me a little bit of time. But I'll tell you that I kept on thinking back about it until I came to the understanding, not only in my head, but in my heart, that I Kodesh Baruch that wasn't what you gave me. It wasn't good for me and it wasn't supposed to be for me. And when I realized that, I felt so much relief. When we sit back and we look at everybody else, we create misery in our lives. You know, the, the Yesoi, the principle of major, major error, unfortunately. Korach's major error was the fact that Korach was jealous. Second, Korach had a desire for something that many of us struggle with. And you know what that is? Money. Korach in Mitzrayim 
was appointed as the treasurer of Pharaoh. Can you imagine that? He's appointed the treasurer of Pharaoh. Why would a Jew be appointed the treasurer of Pharaoh? Because Pharaoh had a different way to view the Levium. They were not enslaved for most of the time. And he saw Korach had a tremendous, tremendous ability with money and resources and organization, and he made him the treasurer. And during that time, he discovered a treasure that Yosef had hidden away, and he found it, and he became one of the richest people that ever lived. In fact, the rabbis say there were 200 mules that carried the keys to his treasures. Can you imagine how wealthy this man was when he left Mitzrayim? He was the richest man in the whole Klau Yisrael. But our rabbis say that that money wasn't good for him and he chapped it. What do you mean he chapped it? It means that he went after it. Even though he was a great personality, but he went after the money and the money brought him down. You know, one of the things they've shown in uh, various, uh, various um, papers is that most times when a person wins the lottery, they end up losing it afterwards. It's fascinating. They've also shown that most times when people win the lottery, it ends up ruining their lives. Fascinating. You know, we always hear the story and we think, yes, he won and oh, everything's lived happily, happily. And it's actually not. It's actually not. Why? Because when a person tries to chap and runs after the money, the money sometimes becomes a pit for him. The Chofetz Chaim said like this when it comes to money. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not give you wealth, there's a few reasons. One reason is because wealth is a challenge and you obviously fail that. So Hashem didn't give up on you, so He decided not to give it to you. That's a blessing. No, that's a blessing. Because it's a challenge that you're not going to get. Because we know you're going to fail. It's not good for you. Another reason why He wouldn't give you wealth is because you may not use the wealth the way that Hashem wants to, you to use it. In other words, if Hashem invests, it's like you invest in a company, you want the company to take that money and, and make more money from it. But you may not do that. And another reason is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't give you the wealth because He knew you would fail and He still believes in you. So He didn't give it to you. In other words, if Hashem knew that you would be successful in serving Him with wealth, He would give it to you. The fact that you don't means it's not good for you. So there's no reason to be jealous or upset or desire. It's unbelievable this. When a person looks at life in context of HaKadosh Baruch Hu pulling the strings, then everything seems to fall into place. But if you think about everything, as, well, I want to get that, and I want to get this, and why not this, and that's not fair, then, unfortunately, you just, you know, chain yourself down into an absolute disaster. Wealth and riches is not also a sign of happiness. Rabbis tell us, Ezu Osher, who's wealthy? Hasamech Bechalka is someone who's happy with his lot. Find me people who are happy in this world. You know, I'll tell you an interesting story. Rav Aaron Leib Steinman was the God Lador. And Rav Aaron Leib Steinman had someone who was family called Lippa. Lippa was a grandson of Rav Yoshev. And he called Lippa into his house. 
And Rav Steinman said, I want, you, I want to show you something, Lipa. He opened a safe, and in the safe was tons of cash. He said, what is this? He says, it's a million dollars that people have given me for various projects, stock uh, um, investment, whatever it else it is, for the sake of Jews. And I want to tell you something, Lipa. If you can find me any Jew in America, because you're going to America, which is so much wealthier than Israel, if you can find me a Jew happier than me, you'll get this million dollars. And he took Lipa to his cupboard and he opened his cupboard and there were just two suits, nothing else. And he took him to the fridge and in the fridge there was almost nothing to eat. And his apartment, I went there, was tiny and small. And Rav Steinman said, find me someone who's happier than me. And I saw when he was giving a shear there, the joy, the simcha on this man's face was unbelievable. So Lippa traveled to America and he thought, okay, I'm definitely going to find someone. He goes to this big mansion and the guy tells him all his problems. And he goes to another mansion and his problems and mansion, there's problems, mansion, there's problems. And he can't find anyone at all, anybody. And he comes back to Rav Steinman and Rav Steinman says, no. And he said, no, I didn't find anybody who was happy as you. Then he took a second trip to America. And he met there Rabbi Uri Zohar. Rabbi Uri Zohar is a famous uh, person in, in Israeli history. He was an actor till 42. Very, very successful. Very rich, had a beautiful house of Tel Aviv. And he became from and he became a rov and a very great spokesman for Torah. And he met him, Rabbi Uri Zohar, in America. And Lippa told Rabbi Uri Zohar what Rav Steinman had said. Because Uri Zohar said, Ah, I'm so happy now. And he said, Are you happier than Rav Steinman? And Uri Zohar stopped and he said, No. Nah. I'm not happy as Rav Steinman is happy. And this is an unbelievable thing because we would say exactly the opposite. If you look at a little small apartment like that, you think, who wants to live in a hovel in the wall? Isn't this joy and happiness? It's not. Koirach also erred, as we do, in that we think that with material successes, it's going to guarantee our serenity, stability, happiness, it doesn't work that way. That's the second thing. Third thing. We have Dawson and Aviram. Dawson and Aviram joined the revolt because they believed that Moshe was not the right leader for the Jewish people. And in fact, when Moshe sends them a message, please come and talk to me, they said a fascinating language. They said, gouge out our eyes, we ain't coming to you. Why gouge out our eyes? So the explanation is the following. We know that bribery blinds the eyes of tzaddikim. They said to Moshe, we know your tricks. We know that you just want to speak to us because you want to bribe us, smooth us over, curry favor with us. We're not taking that, Moshe. We're not interested in that. We're not going to give in to all your ploys. Now, of course, we sit back and we think these guys are wicked as anything. But they didn't believe that. They believed that they were right. How many times do we get involved with feuds and arguments and destroy other people because we so believe that we're right? We write someone off 
because we believe that they're evil and wrong. And sometimes, more than sometimes, we just see in them our own insecurities. You know, it's interesting. Many years ago, there was a machloikis, a big feud that took place in a certain yeshiva, where a Rosh Hashiva came in, and he was very successful, and he had to leave. Itaka had to leave. And I remember I was very upset when I went through this, because I expected, you know, how can such a thing happen amongst Tamidi Chachamim, great personalities? But that's exactly the point. Because when a person thinks he's immersed in Torah, he's blind to his own biases. And how much more so when you're not immersed in Torah and you think that you're right and you puzzle someone, you invalidate someone. You know, in my life I've realized, as I've gotten to know more and more people, I get more and more surprised. I met a certain person well, I was a bit disappointed in certain parts of his personality, his makeup. Then I found out something else and just flipped everything on its head. I had no idea, no clue. It was so quiet. And I realized, wow, this is what this guy is doing. It's unbelievable. You meet a child and you have an impression of a child and it can be very negative. And then after a while, something else happens. And like, oh, so that's why he acts this way. But the truth is, is that most of us in life don't fully grow out of being a child. We still hang on to our various baggage and our various hang-ups and we never deal with them. And then when certain things happen, we knee-jerk react back. If we understand that in ourselves, it's a lot easier to deal with. Dawson and Aviram were convinced of the truth. And unfortunately, what happened? They go to the eternal doom because they associated their own negative ways with the people that Wutaka were negative. And they painted arrogance on other people that was really mirror that Hashem was putting towards their faces. Got to realize also that we need COVID. You know, Rav Moshe Feinstein, Zechitzarik Livrocha, once said that the world exists on three things. In other words, people are looking for three things in life. Kavoit, honor. Kavoit, more honor. And kavoit, and more honor. And you must know, Rav Simcha Bunim Cohen explains that certain things you get satisfied from and certain things you don't. Honor is really a spiritual thing. And therefore, you'll never be satisfied. You know, if I can sit and eat four burgers, I'm going to be full. I'm going to eat enough. I don't want to see a burger. But if people... You know, honor me and make me feel important that I can never want enough of. So people search for this, crave this, and they try and chaper as much as they can. This, unfortunately, is where things go so badly wrong. But then there's another thing. And that is, that was Kairach, Dasanaviram. They all go swallowed up. But then there was another faction called the Bnei Ruvain, Elitzur ben Shadeur, the leader of the tribe, together with 250 followers, all gathered on the side of Kairach Dasanaviram for a different reason. And that is, they saw that they would benefit spiritually from joining them. Now, how's this? 
You could have a person meet his due, even when he had good intentions. They said, yes, we don't want the money to be kohanim. We also want to be kohanim. We also want to serve in the Mishkan. And they didn't want to give up on that. So they said, we want. And they cried and they went forward and they were destroyed because of it. You know what the problem over here is? Is that it's very good to want more spiritually, but it's got to be what Hashem calls spiritual. Rav Soloveitchik of blessed memory. Once had a woman come up to him and she said, Rabbi, I want to wet sitsis. He said, okay, you can wet sitsis, but I'm going to give you a four corner garment just without the strings. Come back after a week and tell me how you feel about it. And she came back after a week and she said, Rabbi, I feel unbelievable. He said, lady, I gave you a cloth. The mitzvah was a tzitzis. There's no tzitzis on it. You weren't doing a mitzvah. Your feeling is coming from something else. In other words, sometimes we want the spirituality and we want to get close to God. But it's not what Hashem says. How can we come close to God with what you want? That's not spiritual. That's not godly. Sometimes a person can feel very much that this is the way I'm going to serve Hashem better. But that's not what Hashem says. And therefore it flops. And it's all it is is just superficial. And all it is is just having a drink. You feel good at the time and you feel nothing afterwards. Koirach is a grand mirror. It's a mirror that Hashem puts towards us and said, hold on a minute, where's the Kairach in you? Are you aware of it? Are you dealing with it? Where's the Dosnaviram in you? Are you dealing with it? Where's the Litzurban Shadu in you? Are you dealing with it? Are you looking towards what Hashem wants? Are you aware of your frailties and the challenges and thereby able to deal with them? Or are you blind and biased and ignore everything and believe that you're always right? You know, if we could come away from life after 120 years and turn to our Kodesh Baruch and say, Kodesh Baruch I really tried. Then we will already be in the upper echelons of society. Because how many people even try to be different? Even try to notch a little bit up, try to change, try to, you know, grow and not be stuck in their ways. I hope and I pray that Hashem should bless us all with the courage to stand up to our own challenges and say, I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm not going to hold up the white flag. I'm going to try and I will fail but I will rise. I will fall, but I will lift up. And if, I, if we have that in Ashkofa, we have that in mind, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu will shower us with success. He'll give us help. And with the help of Hashem, we will not suffer any Koirachs externally or internally. Okay. Have a beautiful, beautiful night. Just with gesund and blessing to everyone.